And so today we're going to be looking again in 1 John. We'll go to chapter 2. Starting with verse 20. We're going to cover about five verses today. So if you have your Bible with you, open up to 1 John chapter 2. And let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that your word is a, a lamp to our feet, and mm. it is a true light to our path. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you dwell on the inside of us. Yes. And so we acknowledge you, Holy Spirit, as our teacher, our helper, our guide this morning, our counselor. Do all those things, be all those things to us this morning. Help us in the places that we need discernment. Show us the way. Give us light, Lord, in our path. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for that. We give you all the glory, Jesus, yeah. for it. In, in your name we pray. Amen. 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 So the Apostle John, as we've been saying for several weeks now, that the Apostle John, one of the 12 apostles of Jesus, wrote this first letter of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Mm -hmm. um, and in this chapter, we saw last week and, and in this week, he's warning the church against false teachers that have infiltrated the church with heresies um, that would lead people into error, of course, lead them astray from the truth. And um, he writes that this is the last hour. And so if he wrote 2,000 years ago that it's the last hour and that many antichrists have already appeared in the earth, really for 2,000 years that's been happening. People, antichrist meaning against Christ. That's kind of simple to understand. Uh, but they've arisen and they've been working in the church. And uh, these teachings that the, these false teachers were putting out weren't blatantly something satanic. You know, they weren't coming into the church shouting, Hail Satan, and everybody like, oh, you're a, you're a false prophet. No, it wasn't like that. Heresy is like truth mixed with error. Right. Okay. So it makes it harder to discern, and it, and it makes it also easier to follow them because it's like, well, it sounds like it's the truth. It's pretty good to accept. And so Gnosticism at that time was a particular heresy that was going, infiltrating through the church, and it was a belief. They believed in Jesus. The Gnostics did believe in Jesus. They believed he had supernatural abilities. They believed he had divine powers. And the Gnostics were seeking the powers of the universe, so to speak. But they didn't believe in his deity. They right. didn't believe that he was the son of God. They did not believe that he took on flesh. They didn't believe that he lived a sinless life. They didn't believe that he actually died on the cross for the sins of the world and that he rose from the grave, and that repenting of your sin was necessary to turn away from sin and accepting him as your savior was the only way to find eternal life. They were looking for eternal life, not by recognizing their sin, because the Gnostics, right. they took a casual approach to sin and immorality. And so sin wasn't a big issue with them, and so the fact that Jesus had to die for the sins of the world wasn't really, you know on their radar, so to speak. And so they were searching for divine wisdom. And I think, well, how does that relate to today's life? Well, the New Age belief, which there is a lot of going around, is similar to a type of Gnosticism. Mm -hmm. People searching for higher truth, higher power, but they don't really want to recognize the truth that we are all sinners that need to be saved by the grace of God. People want to go find a higher power without recognizing sin. And so infiltration into the church with these partial truths, like saying, well, we do believe in Jesus. We do believe he had supernatural power. Right. It sounded similar to truth uh, and can be really very effective, we were saying a, a few weeks ago. Like infiltration with these kinds of things can be very effective in corrupting your understanding just little by little and leading people astray. Like, do you remember that Charles Spurgeon? We're going to put this quote up again, the, the quote by Charles Spurgeon. He said, discernment is not n knowing the difference between right and wrong, because sometimes that's pretty easy. This is right and this is wrong. But discernment is knowing the difference between right and almost right. And really, to gain that kind of discernment, yes. you've got to know what is right, 
You have to know what the truth is. You know, I thought about how they teach people how to recognize counterfeit bills, dollar bills, 50 bills, $100 bills. They don't teach them to study the counterfeit, to recognize the counterfeit. Right. They teach them to study and know the real, what the actual bill looks like, and study that and know every facet of it so that when you see something counterfeit, you go, eh, it looks similar, but I could see where it's false. Yeah. <laughs> That's discernment, that we can know the difference between right and almost right. And so almost right isn't okay. Amen? Amen? We're not after just almost right. No. We want truth because truth will define the difference between that. We want to know and follow truth. And we're going to find here in verses 20 to 25 that we read today that uh, there's, uh, well, we'll just start there in verse 20. This is, this is really important for us to, to put into our hearts. First John chapter 2. Verse 20, this should be on, yeah, it's up there. Thank you, dear. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But the one who denies Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the son. Let's go back to verse 20 because this is a really important verse and it's an exciting thing for when I first read this, I was really pumped up. I was very excited because I didn't have to rely on myself, which was really great. Uh, <laughs> really important. <laughs> but some of your translations might say, and you know all things. You have all you, you all know have knowledge. All, and know no, you know all things, yeah. but that's not the proper Greek translation. It Obviously, we don't know all things. <laughs> what he's saying here is that you all have knowledge, and that is given to us by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. He bears witness with our spirit about the truth. And the scripture declares in John chapter 1 that he, Jesus is enlightened every man. But John is saying that you all have knowledge because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And this is really an important part because the true believer has something that an unbeliever cannot understand and cannot experience. It's something that is God has tucked away for only believers. It's the indwelling presence of God himself in you. If you're a believer, if you've given your life to Christ... You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, God himself. This is really, really uh, something that the church needs to start exercising and taking advantage of and cooperating with the Holy Spirit because it'll make us look better than we really are. Amen. <laughs> there's, there's un, it's really important for us to understand that his, what his ministry is. And I want to jump to John chapter 16, and that is the gospel of John chapter 16 is where we're going to go to. And this is Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to his disciples that were with him for, for three years, and they were just constantly with him. But he says something really that probably blew their mind. Because he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the counselor who comes to dwell the born again believer. He is the third person of the Holy Trinity. Fundamental belief of Christianity is we have one God consisting of three individuals. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Perfectly united, perfectly in agreement. Each one has a personality and each one has specific roles to keep. They are equal in power, equal in knowledge. 
The Holy Spirit himself, he is the power of God. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, it says that he was hovering over the face of the deep. Nothing happened until God spoke. After God spoke, the Holy Spirit went into action and created everything that we see that is seen and unseen. The Holy Spirit is the one when we surrender our life, we give our life to Christ. We recognize our sin and we repent of it and we call on Jesus to save us. The Holy Spirit does a work within us. He's the one who recreates us. On this, He gives you a new spirit. He, he doesn't refurbish you. You become a new creation in Christ Jesus. He gives you new life. He gives you eternal life. And Titus chapter 2 verse 9, it tells us about that work that is happening right now. The Holy Spirit himself, he's the one who transfers us out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved son. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. It says that it's to your advantage that I go away, Jesus says. You'd be thinking, what are you talking about? I don't want you to go anywhere. I want to be with you. But think about it. The Bible declares that in Christ Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead had dwelt bodily. If we wanted to see Jesus, we'd have to probably get in line because he would be in Jerusalem. And we would have to wait our turn. And everybody on the planet would be standing in line. <laughs> and, but because of the miraculous working of God himself, when Jesus rose from the dead in the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells every born-again believer now. Every single one of us has the very presence of God within us. And what we've done, unfortunately, some, you know, when I was growing up in church, I never knew about that. I had no clue about that. Hey, I went to church till I was 18 and wasn't even saved until I met Campus Crusade. And then they started to tell me what the Bible actually said. And so we've got to understand that this Holy Spirit has been ignored too long. And maybe in your life and in my life it was. Now that I've come to the realization that what? He's with me right now everywhere I go. And so I can ask him everything I need to know. Ask him the question, is this true? What about this part of the word? How does that fit in? Where are my car keys? <laughs> I'm serious. I ask him about it. Where did I put my keys? Where's my phone? <laughs> hey, do you know what? He, he's, he's attentive to our cry. And everything. Don't I, I'm not going to just wait to the big things because... I might not be able to handle the little things. I don't know. I'm going to ask him. I'm going to, I'm going to call on him for help. The Bible declares he's our helper. He's my counselor. Jesus said he's my counselor. I need counseling. <laughs> Every believer around the world has the very presence of God in them. You become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Sweet. We've got to come to the understanding, really, of that reality. We ask, then you ask the Holy Spirit, bring this revelation to me. And he will. He will. Because in the Old Testament, in the temple, only that's in the Holy of Holies, in the Ark of the Covenant, that's the only place that the presence of God was. Yeah. The only place. And only the high priest could go in there. That's true. To the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God dwelled. And just once a year to make atonement for the people's sins, and he had to make a sacrifice for himself before he could go in there in a worthy way. Right. But under the new covenant, this is what makes the new covenant so much better and so miraculous that when Jesus paid the penalty on the cross, for the sins of the world by spilling his blood, it says that, that the curtain that divided that inner court room, the inner, the Holy of Holies, was torn from top to bottom, which meant that we can now come 
new believers now who believe in what the blood of Jesus did for us to cleanse us from our sins, now we are welcome to go right into the presence of God. Scripture says we can come boldly to his throne of grace to receive mercy and grace in a time of need. Well, how do we do that? We do that through prayer. We do that through faith. We do that every we can do that every minute of our lives, yeah. like know that we're walking in the presence of God, right in the Holy of Holies. And so scripture says, like we were just reading, that you've been anointed, verse 20 says, you have been anointed by the Holy One. Mm. Well, the indwelling Holy Spirit is that anointing. You, you, you've been anointed by the Holy One. What does that word anointing mean? It's a Greek word that refers to something that's smeared on like an oil. Something that's rubbed in, like an oil. Like in the Old Testament, the priests and the kings were anointed whenever they were set apart for ministry, for the work of God. They, were, they put an anointing oil on them. And these right. oils were aromatic. You know, they were fragrant oils. And it reminds us of that scripture in 2 Corinthians where the apostle Paul was writing that Believers are like a sweet fragrance of Christ spreading the knowledge of him wherever we go. Yes. Isn't that awesome? And then in the book of Revelation, it says that the prayers of the saints are rising up like incense before the throne of God. Hallelujah. So these are beautiful things. Like you've been anointed. We have to remember that, that you carry an anointing on the inside of you because the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, dwells yes. on the inside of you. Sweet. I mean, so you may not look like, feel like, well, I don't look like much on the outside. <laughs> but in your spirit, <laughs> yeah. in the very core of your identity, which is really how we should see ourselves, you know, you are stamped righteous and you are stamped holy. And precious in God's sight and anointed by the Holy Spirit to do the work of God in the earth. That's right. How awesome is that? What a privilege that is. This is why we can. Amanda was saying he's the lifter of our head. This is why we can. No matter what our past, he's made us new creations in Christ. We can walk with our head lifted in a way that says, well, God has stamped me holy and righteous and cleansed by his blood. And now his spirit, the very anointing of the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of me. And this is what we've got to awaken to the very truth of this because it's available to every believer. Uh, Nobody has more of the Holy Spirit than you. Nobody has less of the Holy Spirit than you. You increase the understanding and the communication with him through the word of God understanding he's going to correct us. He's going to guide us. Turn to John 16. We, have a, we were just there. John 16, verse 13. It says, Jesus is talking here, and he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he'll not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. Isn't that nice? Well, this means that his ministry is to show you things to come. Lord, what's around the corner? And I don't mean on a street. What's happening now, Lord? This way you can read headlines and you can understand, oh, signs of the times. It's just not a natural thing. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you, ah, this is part of the plan. This is part of what's happening in this world. This is, we're getting closer and closer. John had said in this book, he says, the last hour is here. We're in the last minutes. We're in the last minutes. And you know, you said he, not even around the corner, but actually there's been several testimonies, I think in my life, in your own life possibly, where you might be driving and for some reason, you get this witness, slow down. Like, yeah. just slow down as you go around here. And sure enough, as you make the bend, there's a deer in the road or, or something. So he, he will tell you things to come even that way if we pay attention. If we pay attention, because listen, it, anybody had teenagers before? <laughs> yeah, they already know everything, okay? And then all of a sudden, by the time they're 25, they realize how smart their parents were. <laughs> but 
the Holy Spirit, the, the, the Holy Spirit is there, but he's a perfect gentleman. If you don't ask and if you don't want his instruction or you resist his instruction, he'll let you have your way. Whose way do you want? I don't want my way. I want his way. Because, listen, when you start walking in your way, why not ask the one who knows everything? You might not get a complete answer. You might just get, no, don't do it. You don't need to say why. You don't need to explain it. How many realize that God doesn't give you the whole picture? He'll tell you, don't do that. Yeah. But parents, listen, it doesn't mean you have to explain everything to your kids either. The answer is no. Just a little help. (laughs) But but speaking of the Holy Spirit as our guide and our counselor and our helper, you know, if someone says, hey, well, I'll, I'll help guide you through this. And, you know, it might be difficult homework. You don't know how to do it. Or it might be some new job skill. But if, like you said, if you don't think that you need the help right. or there want to go. pay attention, the guidance is there, but you could just be, ignore it. And, and I think so often, you know, we do ignore the guide of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, he so wants, he he wants, wants to, to guide us into yes. all truth, but we have to ask him. You know, again, we say our faith in Christ, it's about a relationship. It's not just knowledge. We have to know, but then we have to communicate. We have to talk. Holy Spirit, help me understand this or show me, teach me. How do I pray for this? I mean, we could ask him about anything. He wants us to be an overcomer in life. And he wants to guide us. We absolutely need a guide, especially in the world that we live in today. We need to be asking a lot of questions about <laughs> and, and gain discernment. Yes. But when I think about needing a guide, you know, I remember when we went to Carlsbad Caverns, oh, New Mexico, the National Park years ago. Anybody have, have been there? It's a, it's a beautiful place. Um, but the main highlight are these deep underground caverns that you go through. And, and as you go down into them, it's just a maze of beautiful rock formations. And you, you've heard maybe of the stalactites and stalagmites, things growing from the top, you know, inside of these caverns in the bottom, and there's these water pools on the inside of it, just all kinds of strange formations. And then there's this one cave, they say, that has like more than 15 varieties of bats living in it that all come out at night and and so, <laughs> Watch out for the bat guana. Don't I eat it. When we went, it was like, what's bat guana? Well, it's bat poop. <laughs> but, you know, when you stand out there in the sunny sunshine in New Mexico and you're looking, you just look at the opening, you don't know that any of that exists. Right. Ten feet down, as you go down darker, you know, it gets darker and darker. And at first you might think, well, I don't need a guide. I can just, at first you might be able to see the first 10, 20 feet in. But the further that you go down in there, after you go down about 30 feet, it's pitch black. Yes. And when we were in there, the guide, he had a flashlight with him. And now they, they hang like these lights on the inside of it too that, so that people don't fall to their death, you know, <laughs> as they walk in. But he'd flick the flashlight out just to show you how dark it was. And, I mean, it was pitch black. It was like, where'd you go, Steve? Like, are you like, still there? You couldn't see your hand in front of yeah. your face. It was amazing. Yeah. And the guy's like, don't worry. I'm right here. I'm not leaving you. Just stick with me. I know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And you're glad at that point. Like, I'm so glad the guide is here. Because you don't know where you'd go in that dark. You don't know which way to turn. You don't know if you're going to fall into one of these water pools or some crevice or, like I said, end up in the bat cave. It's like waking up thousands of bats. It's like, get me out of here. <laughs> but you need a guide, in other words, to steer you through the caverns. Or to you know would which, even miss the beauty and of then it. To miss the beauty and to help you understand how this formed. Mm-hmm. The guide is going to tell you, well, you know what you're seeing? I'm going to describe to you how this came about. Yeah. And that's really how we need the Holy Spirit in our life. 
to help us understand a life in the world around us. Because scripture says the world, mm. you know, is a spiritually darkened place. And it is. And we need the Holy Spirit's light. The Bible says that his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So we need the light of the, the Holy Spirit to help us explain what yes. we're seeing. Like, why does this happen in the world, Lord? Think about it. He's God. Omniscient. <laughs> Knows everything. <laughs> why don't we talk to him more? There you go. We need to be talking to him. Show me how to keep me on the right path. Yeah. Show me which, which way to choose here. How to help my children. How to talk to my Husband, how to make this relationship better? Are we fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit like this, our guide? We need to be. We need to be doing it. I mean, think of the counsel and the wisdom that we have available to us. The wisdom that is available to us. It's it's remarkable. You know, we're too quick to call our friends. What would you do? Yeah. Google the question. (laughs) Spell it right first. (laughs) (laughs) Google the question. You know, our first reaction, you should be go right to God. The Holy Spirit, he's right here. He's not sitting way up in the heavens of heavens and, and on the throne. He's right here. And so what you want to do is get that inward witness from him. Lord, is this the right way to go? First thing we got to do is, is start to train ourselves this way. We can't just quick go to the internet to look for an answer. You know what? I've been reading about this AI stuff. It's very dangerous, folks. And it's in the hands of five people. Five people. And this AI already knows all the information on the Internet. All of it. This is why I'm going to encourage you to get a paper Bible. Because real quick and real easy, overnight, you can lose... All of that information on the internet. And they can start to feed you. And they have been feeding us lies for a long time. See, there's another reason you need the Holy Spirit. Is this even true, Lord? It's not. And they'll run a, a, a whole article days at a time. It's all make-believe. It's all make-believe because they want you to think a certain way. They want you to agree with them. And listen, that's what the Antichrist wants. He wants you to think you're choosing. We're in perilous times. It's not going to get better until Jesus calls us home. But we have a responsibility. This isn't just to benefit you dealing with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it'll cause your life to get better and you'll have some wisdom. But listen, this, this, this connection that we have is not just about you. It's about your family. It might be about your parents. It be about your friends, your children. We've got to know this stuff. We have to have this connection with him. It has to be secondhand for us. Show me, Holy Spirit. Reveal this to me. What's, the, what's the, the bottom line of all of this? Guide me through this. This seems like just trouble. Guide me through it. He'll guide you through it. Because the bottom line, he wants you to be an overcomer in life. So I am, we are asking you, don't ignore him. Don't ignore him. Call on him. How do I talk to my kids about this? How do I talk, how do I talk to my kids about all this transgender stuff? Because your kids are getting an earful at school. And they're there all day. We need to be teaching our children how to communicate with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> because they're away, you know, at some point, they're going to be away from you for hours at a time. Yep. That's when you want their own relationship with the Holy Spirit to become more and more reliable and depending on him. So when they're sitting in the classroom and things are, you know, questionable, they're talking to the Holy Spirit on the inside. Help me, Lord, yeah. to understand what I'm hearing. 
These are necessary things in, in the day and time we live in. And Jesus said this in Luke 11, you know, we, we, as we talk about True. the Holy Spirit. Luke 11, 11, to ask and seek and knock, and the door will be open to you. Like, we should be asking the Holy Spirit. What, he says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give yeah. the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much how more? How much more? Yeah, I love that, those three words. And, and you know, I think he is a, he's the third person of the Trinity. Like, often we understand the Father and, Je and Jesus as the Son is understood, but the personhood of the Holy Spirit is, good. is sometimes neglected because we just think, well, I don't know, the Holy Spirit is what? I mean, actually, we've said these statistics before, that, and I don't remember them exactly, but it was something like at least 50% of the people in the body of Christ consider the Holy Spirit just a mystical force. Right, 65%. It was something outrageous. No, look at this one scripture again, John 16, 13. Just to remind ourselves, he is a, the person, the third person of the Trinity. When the spirit of truth comes, who? He will guide you there. in all truth. Mm -hmm. For, it doesn't say the mist will not speak <laughs> on his, <laughs> it says he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So he's like, he is the interpreter for us of the word right. of God. Yes. And then he's the helper for us to help us to be doing the word of God. Come on. Right. So he's a person. He, he has a, a mind. We, we're gonna ha we have a few things to go through here. Yeah, this is really good. Some of the things that help us to understand him is that his characteristics are revealed in Scripture. And the first one is in Romans chapter 8. He does have a mind. It says, but the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and peace, both now and forever. Wouldn't it be great to be able to have your mind at peace? Even when things are chaotic, you can have a peaceful mind because you're starting to learn and rely on the Holy Spirit. He teaches. This is really awesome. John 14, 26. John, Jesus is saying, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the, here's, here comes the Trinity, whom the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, three in one. The Holy Spirit will do what? He'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to him. There's the Holy Spirit help you to remember everything that you've read out of the scriptures. He helps you. It says he'll bring to your remembrance all that Jesus has said to you. Think about it. Like if he's a teacher, the, his classroom is life. Yes. <laughs> I you... mean, he just uses life as his classroom. <laughs> it's like, I'll teach you about life. And of course... We said right the, here. the required book is this <laughs> so that we can understand yes. what we're seeing. People don't even go to the class anymore, to the teacher. Here he is. He knows everything. And he wants you to be an overcomer, but too many Christians don't even go to the class. Skipping or skipping. Don't class. even ask. Here, he leads us. Romans 8 again, 8.14. For all who are led by the Holy Spirit are the sons of God. Well, we better get on how to figure that out. And we don't know. So we say what? Holy Spirit, teach us how to be led by you. He's going to take us back to the word so that we can have some standard things in our life. And we start to walk in those standards. It's called sanctification. We start to be doers of the word of God. And then he leads and guides us. He teaches us. He comforts us. Praise God for that. John 15, 26 says that, but when the comforter comes, 
when the comforter comes. Isn't that great? See, he's the comforter. He's the teacher. He's the guide. See, he'll convict us, but how is he going to convict us? Not in a condemning way, in a comforting way. No, this is wrong. Okay. We are limited in what we see. He knows everything. He knows what you're going to be doing and saying two days from now. He knows the trouble that's going to come up in your life. And if we start that, bring this relationship to a whole nother level, we're going to be able to see the enemy that rises up against me and avoid him. Amen? I want that. I absolutely want that. And I'm learning all the time. I haven't arrived, but I'm a lot better than I was before. I'll tell you that right now. I'm not so dull anymore simply because I'm acknowledging the Lord. He says, acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and he will direct your path. This is the Holy Spirit he's talking about. Acknowledge him in everything. Lord, I've been doing this for years. But do you have a better way to do this? It might be just building something. It might be working on your car. It might be hunting. <laughs> it might be praying for snow. <laughs> How did that get in here? I don't know. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, must have, I must have been daydreaming in you. <laughs> you were looking at flowers. Yeah. <laughs> well, think about that word. I'll go back to the Thank word you. comfort for a moment, though. Because I think we do need comfort in all the trials and tests of life. Oh, we need my. to know that he's there and that we can share our feelings and our pain with him. We don't have to act like we have it all together. That's for sure. He is a comforter. And the Lord knows that we would need comfort in this life. That we are going to hit and come against some trials and tests and even tragedies. Things that will break our heart. And so he is the comforter. He knows how to comfort and mend and hold us together Amen. you know so that we don't fall apart so that it's, <laughs> you know, we can go forward that we don't quit because that's really what happens in our pain we want to just quit it's too hard we have days like that we have to remember to pray and ask holy spirit be my comforter here help heal my heart yes and then trust that he will yes. it may not just feel like boom in a moment it Amen. happened right there that's good that's important. But, but he gives witnesses of himself. He'll use people, the body of Christ. He'll bring a, a, a text will come across your phone or somebody will call you on the phone and just say, I was just thinking about you. Can I pray for you somehow? And you, you think, gosh, like, Lord, <laughs> how'd this person know how I was feeling? But see, the Holy Spirit has ways to move yeah. like that in our life when we open up our heart to be led by him. Yes, to be comforted by him. And then he unites. This is another work of the Holy Spirit. He unites hearts in fellowship. And that 2 Corinthians 13, 14 verse says, you know, may the grace and fellowship of the Holy Spirit yes. be with you all. So there is a kind of, we, we mentioned this, I think in the first message, a koinonia, mm-hmm. which is more than just fellowship, chit-chat kind of thing that you have with people. Koinonia is this heart-to-heart kind of fellowship. And and he's the heart to heart kind of God. Amen. And so when we come together and even we just walk life together, you know, as we grow in Christ together, build the kingdom, he unites our hearts in fellowship. We're united yes. by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're more than just people sitting in chairs here. This is why the power of the church body is so important that we belong and we feel like I am a part of something yes. special here when I open up my heart like this with people by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the other thing, the other part of the Holy Spirit's personality is he can actually be grieved. This is important this to This is important to remember yeah. and understand. In Ephesians 4, 30, it says, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. 
by whom you were sealed mm -hmm. for the day of redemption. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? There's probably a number of ways we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Probably one of the ways is just to completely discount who you are in Christ. Right. And just always put yourself down, consider yourself unworthy. Meanwhile, his blood has cleansed you and, and done all these wonderful things for you that we, we were just saying earlier. You've been made holy and blameless in his sight. I think it grieves his heart. It'd be just like a parent, you know, who would say, you're telling the child, I love you, I love you, and, you know, I have this for you. And the child would just be like, no, I don't, I don't know if I can believe you. It would grieve the parent's heart, wouldn't yeah. it? It'd be like, please, I want you to partake of the blessing that yes, I have for yes. you. You know, and another way I believe we can grieve his heart is when we just walk in sin. We yes. walk away from God. He knows that sin will eventually destroy our life. It'll lead us down a crooked path. It'll cause pain in our life. And so when we just live in sin, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Amen, yes. And often you can feel that in relationships whenever people are in sin, caught in a web of sin, you can feel that heaviness sometimes. It's a grieving, I, I believe, of the Holy Spirit. And then he can even be insulted. Right. Have you ever thought about this this way? He's a person. He's a person. And this is referring to someone who, you know, just walks saved and then just throws away their salvation, discards their salvation and it says, how much more severely do you think someone who deserves to be punished, who's trampled the Son of God underfoot? In other words, just living in sin, not caring that they've really dishonored the Lord by their life, and who has insulted the Spirit yeah. of grace. There you go. It's like insulting the Lord. Wow. We need to think about these things, that we can grieve him and we can insult him and the the. Another one is he can be resisted. Oh, don't we all know that? Don't we all know that. <laughs> Forgive us, Lord. Yeah. But this is from Acts 7.51. You know, this was this, he was saying, you stiff-necked people, you're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. We don't want to resist the Holy Spirit. We don't want to be stiff-necked. That's right. Right? We want to be pliable. We want to be moldable. We want to be like children. In the hands of a good father who's Amen. given us his spirit to Amen. teach us and guide us. And so he's the third person, let's remember, of the Trinity. And let's remember that he's in us to teach us, to guide us, to lead us, to help us. You have an anointing from the Holy One. Yeah. You have it. You're not going to get it. You have it right now. You know, listen, we're, we're living in very dangerous, perilous times. And we're living in an evil day right now. More than ever, we must understand and know the truth of God. That way we won't get tripped up by half-truths. So we have to put effort in here by simply acknowledging the Holy Spirit in everything we're doing. When you start to read the Word of God, Lord, help increase the anointing on my life. You know, like, just like Elisha asked, give me a double portion. He's not going to be, oh, you selfish thing. He's going to be saying, that's my boy. <laughs> that's my girl. <laughs> we want more of God. We want to be able to manifest his kingdom. And again, I said it before, this isn't just for your benefit. This is for the benefit of people around you. This is for the benefit of people you love. Because God will use you as we are directed by the Holy Spirit to speak words that will affect somebody's eternal life. Verse 21 here, we'll go back to. Yeah, this is really important. The, the key is, do we even know what we believe? And then can we put a logical defense together on why we believe it? I mean, I think this is required because the Bible says, be instant in season and be instant out of season. We need to be able to articulate what we have and the treasure that's within us so that we can draw other people into the reality 
that we know. This is what it says in verse 21. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And because this is important, it's like no half truth is the truth. No almost truth is not the truth. It says no lie is of the truth. And John is writing to the church, and we believe this is a a letter to the church at Ephesus. The apostle Paul started that church. He taught those people. History also tells that Aquila and Priscilla were pastors at that church. Timothy was pastors at that church. You know, Peter, James, they came through that church. So these people knew the truth. They just knew it because they were taught it. Remember a couple weeks ago, Pastor Mamie brings that scripture up about the ancient path. Stay on the ancient path. Because truth doesn't change. It doesn't change. Truth is always truth. And like it says here, no lie is of the truth. We have to know the truth so we can recognize the counterfeit. And we are probably the most privileged era of time as in references to the Bible, books of the Bible, concordances. You know that you can find any word that's in the Bible by looking in a concordance. You can find it. This is how you find your way through here. We have the most availability of any generation in history. But study after study shows that Christians themselves are really pretty ignorant about their faith and about the word of God. Every decade it goes down. The statistics are showing the knowledge of the Bible by people who would say I'm a Christian is is really woefully it's sad low yeah there are really some pretty shocking statistics out there yes. because many in America who would consider themselves Christians yet you know like I said 50% of them would say well I don't really believe in a literal devil right well then you couldn't be reading the word of god i don't know i don't know who you think you're following but it's not jesus right. it's not the scripture or they don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. We've been reading statistics about this. It's like, People, really? right. They claim to be Christians. and Or like I said before, they don't believe that the Holy Spirit is a person, like what we were teaching today, would be foreign. He's, I know he's a mystical force because he's a spirit. They don't believe that hell is real. Right. Over 50% of Christians don't believe that hell is a literal place where people will spend eternity possibly spend eternity with if they reject Christ. And many, many now, as time goes on, are believing that basically like all roads lead to God. <laughs> yeah. That in the end, God will accept all faiths and worship. As long as you're worshiping God, like this generic God, well, right. then God will accept that. But that's a lie. It's a lie. We have to know that's a lie. These are, verse 22, 23 are really important. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? The Jesus of the Bible. If you change the Jesus of the Bible, you're not believing in Jesus Christ. You become an idol worshiper. This is, this is, This is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Look at verse 23. No one who denies the Son, listen carefully, has the Father. No one who denies the Son has the Father. And when we say, when it reads denies the Son, it's not just meaning, I believe Jesus existed, therefore I don't deny him. No, denying the Son means Everything that he did. The fullness of The him. work of Christ, as scripture puts it. That's right. Whoever confesses the son has the father. 
you know, there's some of these religions that sound really familiar or they're, they're really sound like they believe, oh yeah, we believe in Jesus. You got to go deeper than that, folks. It's <laughs> because Muslims believe in Jesus. Did you know that? Mormons, Mormons yeah. Jehovah Witness believe in Jesus. There are some major flaws in their belief. It does not line up with scripture in any way. You've got to dig a little deeper. And you know what? How do you poison a dog? With real food, but a little poison. John is warning these guys. They say, hey, hey, you know you know the truth. The Holy Spirit's going to help you. You need to call on him. You are anointed by the Holy One. So he's going to bear witness with your spirit on what's true and what's not true. But you have to be at least understanding scripture. Jehovah Witness, they believe in Jesus. But they believe that God created Jesus. He was the archangel Michael before he came to the earth. He created. Jesus was never created. He always was. So, he did, so they don't believe that Jesus was God in the flesh or that he bodily resurrected. So you see, you have to, we really have to find out what people believe about Jesus. When people say, well, I believe in Jesus, well, then go a little deeper because yeah. it's all around what you believe that he did. And you're not attacking where, these people. No. You're trying to help them see the truth because their eternal life depends on what you can bring to them. Yeah. And I think in the day that we live in, there's a lot out there that's trying to just blend everything together. Uh-huh. Like even, I mean, and you're right. We love these people. Absolutely. This is not to criticize. This is to help us understand the difference and know that just because, let's say Mormons, oh, yeah, in many is, ways wow. ve- sound very similar to Christianity. Mormons actually call themselves Christians. So this can become really confusing because they'll say, I am a Christian. And so we go like, well, okay, so am I. So I guess everything's good. But it's not. And I mean, they'll say, we believe in Jesus. They do. They believe in Jesus as the son of God. They believe in his death. They believe in his resurrection as atonement for sin. But they don't believe that it's by grace alone that you are saved through your faith. They believe that Jesus atoned for our sin, but you must do additional works in order to qualify for heaven. We believe in good works after salvation. You see how see the fine line between this? Mm-hmm. But they would say, no, without a certain amount of good works, and plus they believe in three celestial heavens, and the more good works that you do, and the more family members you have, they also believe that you can be baptized for the dead. In other words, if you have a family member who's gone on, and died, but they never, they never believed the gospel. Somebody can stand in proxy for them, be baptized for the dead, and then that person in eternity has an opportunity to choose whether they believe or not. They believe God the Father was a man, but achieved God's status, and he lived on a different planet, and he had a God. Yeah. So when you start to just take it apart a little bit, you realize, no, 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 we, we don't really believe in the same Jesus. We don't. Right. <laughs> this is not scripture. And they also believe in adding to the canon of scripture. They don't believe in a closed scripture. Right. You know, they believe that Joseph Smith was given extra revelation in the 1800s to help us understand what the whole New Testament is about. So then I think, well, what happened to the people from the early church of the 1800s where they yeah, you wouldn't ask that question. Okay. It's, it's the funny thing yeah. is, too, they're all trying to be one of the 144,000 that get to go to the top heaven. That's Jehovah. That's, that's Jehovah Witness. Jehovah yeah. Witness. It's funny because they're all Jews and there's never told a lie and they've never been with women. So that, that, that's the qualification of the 144,000. and then i mean without going on but i think we know the muslims we would say well that's kind of plain the people that would say they believe in allah but they would say i believe in jesus so if you just have initial conversation they go we believe in jesus we believe in abraham we believe in moses so it's like oh then we're all on the same page yeah we worship the same god they'll say they believe that jesus performed miracles that he was a great prophet 
but they don't believe that he was God. Or they don't believe a, that he was crucified on a cross right. and rose from the dead. Right. To them, Muhammad is the greatest and last prophet. And so once again, they add to, we believe this is a closed canon of scripture, that there's not progressive revelation beyond the Bible. But Jehovah Witness believes that there are, Mormons believe that there are, and so Muslims. do Muslims. Yes. And so we cannot mix up all religions just because people say, well, I believe in Jesus, and just go, well, that's cool. Let's, we want to love people. We want to interact with them. It's not as though we want to cancel people. Well, you don't believe no, the way I right, believe. Right, we're not saying that at all. No, right. We're saying that we need to have discernment, just like the beginnings of this that said that we, we, the heresies were entering into the church. Well, then we have to know what we believe. Mm-hmm. And that's what's yes. important. Yes. Because let, let's finish with verse 24 and 25, and then we'll close here. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. Hallelujah. And so we just, we thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for teaching us, Lord, as we look into your word this morning. We thank you, Father, for your abiding presence that you made available to every believer. We have an anointing from the Holy One. Yes, hallelujah. Thank and therefore, you. we have knowledge. Lord, as we look into your word, you'll help us understand the knowledge that you've given us. And so we welcome you, Holy Spirit. I would encourage you today, like we looked at that scripture from Luke 11 ask, seek, and knock that Jesus said what father among you if his son asks for a fish will give him a serpent or if you ask for an egg give you a scorpion mm-hmm. that if you are evil and know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him Thank you. I encourage you this morning to ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit to well up big on the inside of you. Ask him. Teach me, Holy Spirit. Talk to him like he's a real person. He is. He'll guide you into all truth. He'll show you the right path to take. He'll explain the word of God to you. He'll show you how much God loves you and the plan and purpose that he has for your life. So we invite your presence, Holy Spirit. We love your presence. Yes. We ask you to fill us to overflow. Let us be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Let, it, let your presence fill our homes. In our neighborhoods, Lord, everywhere we go, we're taking your presence with us because you indwell us. That anointing that sweet fragrance of who you are with the knowledge of who you are. Lord, there's so much more about you than we know at this present time. But help us, Lord. Help our families to be filled with the presence of you, Holy Spirit. Help us to be good teachers to our children that they may know the witness of the Holy Spirit and follow him that we would be praying prayers. Lord, teach my child how to follow you, how to be led by you yes. through, the, through the maze of this life. Help them to hear your voice when they lay down at night and give them dreams, understanding. You're good to us, Lord. We know you want to answer these prayers. And so I, I, I pray, Father, that we would be engagers, Lord, yes. with your heart. Yeah, make ourselves available yes. to you. give an invitation because the only way that you receive the Holy Spirit is through Jesus Christ if you're here today and you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus you know it because the Holy Spirit will help you to understand that it's only through Jesus that you can be saved and eternal salvation that your sins can be forgiven you can come into eternal life it's through the father through the son eternal life 
Is there anyone in here that wants to give their life to Jesus today? To be born of his spirit, to have your sins forgiven, to make your body the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Father, once again, let us ask and keep on asking. Let us acknowledge you in all your ways, in all of our ways, so that you would direct our path. Help us to get to know the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.